Hey, one more thing before you go. What if you could achieve all of your dreams and manifest your deepest desires? Sounds intriguing, doesn't it? Well, what if I told you that there are some life-changing truths about the universe that can help you achieve just that? And that's not all. Today, we're going to learn about how to tune into the vibrational field to make it all happen. You all know that I've done it in my life, and I'm very, very happy with this next conversation because we're going to teach you a little bit about how to do it for you. Stay tuned because we have a special guest who's dedicated his life to helping others achieve their dreams and manifest their deepest desires. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode went from being a broke, desperate, divorced alcoholic young man to a best-selling author, a course creator, and a passionate philanthropist. Let me try that word again. Philanthropist. <laughs> and a man on a mission. He's dedicated his life to helping people achieve their dreams and manifest their deepest desires, drawing from his own experience as an entrepreneur. Mike knows what it takes to achieve success. In addition to writing best-selling books such as The Creation Frequency, Love Unfiltered and Living Color. Mike has created two courses, The Creation Frequency and The Power of Intention, that will change your life. He is also the founder of Love from Margot Foundation, which he started in 2012 in honor of his late wife, Margot Murphy. Did I pronounce her name correctly? Yes, sir. Outstanding. Currently, Mike is building a center in Medellin that is dedicated to retreats that will help people from all over the world unleash their inner power, heal, and create lives they love. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for this conversation. I think what you do for the world is a wonderful, absolutely wonderful thing. Uh, I love the fact that you teach people how to achieve their deepest desires and show them with everybody. We all have that ability to do that. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. It's. I like to start at the beginning. I think we had a little discussion about that before. So Let's unfold your life a little bit. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Cincinnati. Well, I was born in L.A. My father was Procter & Gamble, so he moved a lot. But I got to Cincinnati, Ohio at age six and stayed there till age 16. And then we moved to Northern California. What was your family like? Well, my father was a boy. He was a professional baseball. I got to AAA, then retired early to marry my mom. He became a salesman for Procter & Gamble with no college education. He became the youngest national sales manager for Procter & Gamble, and then he became a Skid Row alcoholic. So it was quite an interesting experience. My mother was a saint. My father, he grew up with two alcoholic fathers, and, or two alcoholic parents, I should say. So he, I was grateful I only had one. But unfortunately, my father never experienced real love, and he, you couldn't touch his heart. And so it was a very up-and-down childhood. And at age 14, I realized something was wrong and I left. I kind of just ran away and then I became a habitual runaway, juvenile delinquent, not going to school, getting kicked out of schools when I did go. So I was a bit of a troublemaker. I think that, you know, it's earlier in, before we started, I had told you I grew up with two alcoholic parents. So I understand that struggle. And then when my father passed away, he passed away at a very early age. Uh, um, he was 39 years old. I was 17 at the time, but I hadn't seen him since I was 15. So my mother continued to be the alcoholic, unfortunately, uh, up until she met my stepfather, which, which, I, you know, it was still a struggle with an alcoholic mother and, and three kids. So I, I do understand that journey. I respect where you have come from it. I think that, you know, it creates an environment for us, I think, to either overcome that and succeed out from it but sometimes we go through the little obstacles like you did before you kind of reach that that point in your life where you make that decision um did you ever did you go to university no I've, i basically have i have the equivalent of an eighth grade education wow and look what you've done even with eighth grade education that's amazing um did you have any what was your would you want to be when you grew up well, as a, as a kid, I wanted to, you know, I grew up Catholic, so I wanted to be a priest. I outgrew that in about the third grade when I couldn't learn Latin. And then I wanted, <laughs> I, was, I was an athlete, so I wanted to be a professional athlete. <laughs> until age 14, when I discovered alcohol and girls, and then it just turned into a whole okay. different. Johnny Unitas was my idol, and then it went to Joe Namath. So that uh, kind of gives you an 
I transition. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, that's alcohol. Girls and alcohol seem to be the, the <laughs> seem to be the uh, the downfall. <laughs> yeah, we'll say downfall, obstacle, uh, sidestep. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, sometimes girls and alcohol give us the opportunity to uh, experience life from a different perspective for a little while. <laughs> More of a carnal perspective, if you will. Oh, there you go. There you go. We all have to have that, right? Exactly. So, you said when you um, when you had uh, you left home and and you basically, what did you do when you left home? Did you? Um, well. I, I would leave home. You know, when you're a 14 year old kid, you can't stay away too long before someone finds you and sends you back. Yeah. And then at 15, I did the same thing. 16, I did the same thing. Once I was 18, I was totally gone and out of there. And I, one thing I will say about growing up on the streets, if you will, you become very street smart. And, and, and as a result of not being programmed in school, because I think a lot of it is just programming, I have a very open mind. I'm open to anything. And, and I, I have the ability to look at everything and make pretty quick decisions. I mean, I, I think we, that, I mean, that's an amazing opportunity for you, especially from that perspective, because not everybody can crawl out of, from under what you had gone through in the first place, but to come through it with that education and with where you're at now, and that realization is a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> excuse me, when did you meet your wife? So my first wife, I met in high school, right after high school. We, we knew each other in high school, but we started dating right after high school. And we got married at 21. And then when we were 23, we had a baby. And because of my drinking and my lack of education and no job, I, I woke up one day, I'm living with her, her parents, her five younger siblings, and my two-month-old child. And I won, I'll never forget to Sunday afternoon. I go into the bathroom. I look in the mirror. I go, dude, you are a total loser, which frankly didn't bother me that much. But the fact that everybody in that house knew I was a loser created humiliation and shame. So literally in front of everybody, I, I didn't even own a car. I grabbed my clothes. I throw it in one of their old cars and I took off and I partied for a week. And then I called, you know, I'm a habitual runaway. So I called and said, okay, I'm ready to come home. My parents would always say, okay, <laughs> my, my wife didn't, right? And literally, I found myself that night on the steps of the church where we'd gotten married a few years earlier. And I said, okay, God, if you truly are God and you truly do exist and you can manifest yourself and you can become form and you can sit here on these steps and I can talk to you, touch you, and then I can believe in you and then I can change my life. So God came down and we know so, but by the grace of God, the next day I ended up in a 12 step program. And for the first time I felt like hope and I also felt like maybe I belong somewhere. I, I think that we all like the opportunity for hope. And I think without hope, it, 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 it kind of negates our ability to move forward. Yeah. Um, I've seen it too many times in, in my own personal life. Um, to my family members and in in everything that they've gone through, but I've also seen it, especially on the job, uh, in my career. I saw a lot of people who had lost that hope, and you can see it in their eyes. Absolutely, you know, it 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 emanates. You can absolutely see when somebody's at their last, and they're they're they've got no hope anymore. Um, what brought you to? <coughs> excuse me. What brought you to the the your next? stage in life that helped you to bring you here where you're at right now. Um, yeah, so so it, it was actually, a, I look at it today as a miracle and unbeknownst to me at the time, but I'm in this 12 step program. I can't stay off cocaine. I can't stay off drugs. My life isn't getting any better. And, and a buddy of mine in the program says, Hey, you know, you're, you're a total mess, but I might know somebody that can help you. And he introduced me to a man named Doug Fitzgerald. When I wrote my first book, Love Unfiltered, I couldn't remember his name. I call him the mystery man. But since I've, since I published second book, the creation frequency, I did a lot of research, found his family. I really wanted to understand because this was 1982. I'm just a dumb kid uh, with nothing ex and very little hope. And this man just gave me an ounce of hope. And here's what he said. He said, Mike, you come here one hour a day for the next seven weeks. And I promise you, you will get everything you want in your life. And I looked at his house, it wasn't very that nice. I looked at his furniture, it wasn't very nice. He wasn't dressed that nice. But for some reason, because this was my only lifeline, really, 
and, and, and the killer was it was $50 a week and I didn't have 50 cents. Right. So, but nevertheless, I, I think I wrote a bad check for the first week and worked it out, but here's what he taught me. He said, number one, Mike, you got to create a balanced life. So we're going to create your, uh, you break your life into six areas, career, relationships, contribution, material things, all that kind of stuff. Right. And each week we're going to write an intention. And here's the difference. <clears throat> There's no difference between imagination and reality. So he taught me to write an intention of what I truly desired as if it already existed, which it does in the field of infinite possibilities. I didn't know this at the time, but I just followed a simple instructions. So he says, what do you want most in your life? Well, as I said, I'd walked out on my two month old baby. We were divorced for two years now. It was killing me inside. I was miserable. And I said, I want my wife and my daughter back. So we, so we sit down at his kitchen table. We start writing this attention. It goes something like this. Lisa and I are so happily married when the truth was she hated my guts. Our daughter, Michelle thrives in this marriage. And it was about one or two paragraphs of this describing this beautiful, loving marriage relationship with this woman who hated my guts. And when I was writing it, it felt weird, but it also gave me, it also gave me a feeling of maybe there was possibility. Right. So then the next week, what do you want, Mike? Well, I want to own my own business. I want to own my own house. I want to make 10 grand a month. I want to run a marathon. And he goes in the, the sixth um, intention has to be a contribution. I go, okay, well, my dad was troubled youth. I'm a troubled youth. I want to have a home for troubled youth, right? So those were my six intentions. Now the magic happened in week seven. So I show up and he brings out a boom box. Now for you younger viewers and listeners out there, that's what we used to listen to music on back in the day. And he puts in a cassette tape of theta brainwave music. Then he hands me a relaxation script about two pages long. And I already have my six intentions, one or two paragraphs each. And then he hands me a microphone attached to a tape recorder. And he puts in a blank cassette tape. He says, I want you to read the relaxation script and read your intentions while I play this state of brainwave music. So there I am seven weeks later, $350 poor, leaving there with this cassette tape with six intentions recorded on it. And he says, Mike, the important thing now is to listen every morning right when you wake up because you're coming from um, Delta into Theta. And that's the best time to manifest. Pierce the conscious mind, get into the subconscious mind where the real power is. Now, I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. I just going to follow the simple directions, listen every morning. And he says, listen last thing every night, because now you're going from beta into alpha and then to theta. So, so that's what I did. And I wasn't religious about it. I didn't, sometimes I couldn't, it was so painful. I couldn't listen, but you know, I did the best I could. Within four months, I own my own business. Within two years, she calls me up and asks me out on a date. We get remarried, have three more kids. I own, we buy our own house with no money down. So you, I don't have to tell you this, but the law of attraction is really using the power of your thought, which, you know, Tesla said, if you want to understand the universe, you have to understand energy, vibration, and frequency. And that's what a thought is. And so you take this thought and then you attach a powerful emotion, which love and gratitude and contribution being the most powerful ones. And you put it out into the field of infinite possibilities. And guess what? All of a sudden the right thought shows up, the right idea, the right plan, the right funding, the right book, the right person, whatever it is, synchronicities start to happen. And all of a sudden creating what you truly desire becomes easier and faster. You know, we, we, there, I challenge anybody listening to this to think of one thing in their physical existence that didn't first start as a thought with an emotion a desire attached to it. So everything starts that way into the physical world. Once we understand that, now we can start telling that field of infinite possibilities what we truly would want. And the other important thing is, I say this to everybody I meet, you, the, the hardest journey you'll ever take it's only 18 inches long. It's moving from here to here. See, when I live, see, my mind can lie to you. My mind can manipulate. My, my mind can be brainwashed to believe stuff that's not even close to being true. But my heart is pure. So when I live from my heart, my heart can't lie to you. My heart can't cheat you. So I live here and then I use this magnificent supercomputer to create the plan to fulfill the desires of my heart. Most of us live here. And so we're, we're becoming a doctor because that's what our parents want, a lawyer because that's what our mother wants. You know, so we're never really true to ourselves and what we really want and what are finding our purpose, why we're why we incarnated into this physical reality at this time. We're spirit. We live in an animal body. We 
urinate, we defecate, we fornicate. So we're an animal, but but we're also spirit. You know, that's the duality. That's the difficulty, right? And so once we realize that, then we can rise above the animal being, turn into the heart and soul that we're here for, find out why we're here. Now we have a purpose, and now life goes a lot better. That's amazing. I think that, yes, I agree with you on, on all of those levels. I think that a lot of times we allow our minds to block yep. us because of fear of failure or fear and, and not understanding that. Fear, fear is the key. You just hit it right there. Fear. This yeah. is where fear lives. This is where love lives. Yep. 100%. And fear prevents us from moving forward. Makes us from, keeps us where we're, where we're at. We're frozen. People, yep. the old cliche, frozen with fear. And no. you can't move forward. You can't move backwards. You can't move sideways. You just stuck right where you're at. Um, it, it takes a lot of, it, I mean, I, I know this and you know this. Let's help others understand that we all have the ability to overcome that fear. And like you said, pierce that little veil. What are some steps somebody can take if they realize that fear is holding them back that might be able to help them overcome it or move well, past it? My favorite acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. Okay. 99% of the time, what we fear, it's not even, it's not even real. Okay. We're, we're afraid of stuff that's in our mind. Okay. That's never going to happen. Right. And so that's why I think I call this the insane asylum, the committee of psych critic. It's always criticizing me, always judging everything. Right. And this doesn't, this just wants to be, in love and community and integrity and responsibility, right? So I think, it's, and this is where the ego lives, which is the false self. This is the, this is what, that's why we have fear because the ego is afraid to die and the ego is not even real. And that's why it's so important to find our center here, our spirit, our essence, our soul, our consciousness, and then live from that place. And then, cause this thing is magnificent, but we need to take care of this too. You know, a lot of us, we have damaged minds. We're doing way too much stuff we shouldn't be doing. And so this is a very sensitive, I'm talking about the brain now. The brain is the hardware. The mind is the software. The mind is what gets programmed to believe stuff that's not true. But the hardware, we have to really take care of that and, and with through nutrition, through meditation. And so this is, a lot of people have a damaged brain. And, and so if you want to change your life, you have to change your brain and you have to heal your brain. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, a lot of times we also, like in my personal situation, you know, I, I was, I went ahead to go through uh, anger and resentment. And I mean, there were so many emotions that I had to deal with, especially when I was sitting in a wheelchair or my daughter was pushing me in a wheelchair or my wife had to carry me to the toilet. You know, it, it's one of those humbling situations where sometimes that perpetuates upon itself and it sometimes is difficult to really look at light at the end of the tunnel. But I know that we've all got that opportunity to do that. You know, I did it, you did it, you know, uh, thousands and millions of other people can do it. And if somebody's out there listening, you have the opportunity to do that as well. It, it just, it's a matter of, of self-reflection, I think. See where we're at, understanding what our fears are, and then taking that opportunity to grasp a little bit of that hope like you had done, yeah. you know, the piece of hope that somebody gave you mystery man and and pull yourself forward in that direction and, and look what you've been able to create since then it's an amazing an amazing thing um how does the four life-changing truths about the universe come into play well number one is understanding it right so, and this is what i love the work of nikola tesla right if you want to understand the universe you have to understand energy vibration and frequency because really that's what's going on you know, all colors have a different frequency. Every, everything is giving off a frequency from a rock to a bird to us. So everything is vibrating a certain frequency. And what's interesting, Michael, is every human being has its own frequency. We all have our own IP address, if you will, to put it in the modern terms, right? So we all, yeah, so so we're all giving off this frequency, right? And when And what we're vibrating at, is what we attract, it's magnetism, you know, it's electricity and magnetism that runs this whole system here, whatever this is, right? And so when we realize that, and we realize that what, what, whatever we think and feel is what we're going to attract. But now who controls what we think? Now, I, I believe that thoughts come from everywhere, 
You know, I download some of the most beautiful thoughts and then sometimes some of the craziest fearful thoughts show up. But who gets to choose what stays here, what percolates, right? So so I realize I'm in charge of these thoughts and how long they get to stick around. So the good ones I want to use and, and find a way that where they can serve me and serve others. And the bad ones I want to get, I, you have to guard your mind because what's happening is a thought creates chemicals in our brain, right? If I have a fearful thought, this is the greatest pharmacy in the world. If I have a fearful thought, this thing makes chemicals that now go into my body and it creates more anxiety or fear or depression or whatever. It's a continuous loop. But when I'm thinking good thoughts, now it's creating beautiful chemicals and now my body feels it. And the other thing is we have another brain or mind, if you will, and that's our gut. And so it's super important that, and most people in today's world, their gut is messed up because we don't have real food. We have lousy water. The air is not good, blah, 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 blah. And then all this frequency stuff right here. And so, so we have to really take care of our gut because then we can have a clear mind and we have a clear mind. We can think better and we can access things. So that's really important. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, from a perspective of an individual that that understands it, number one, and and had to learn it, you know, I mean, I knew it in the beginning because I practiced martial arts, and they teach you focus, and they teach you to right. go deep inside yourself and show you that you can you have chi energy that flows through you, and that you can utilize that to help you. But when I went through my ordeal, it, I seemed to have blocked that for a while. It, it just kind of covered up. And even though my kids and my wife would say, yeah, but think about this and think about that. It took me a little while to, to kind of to open my eyes and to open my ears and start listening, listening to both the universe and to those around me to remember what you just said, that we, we need to touch into that and tap into that and listen to that. And I would imagine, Michael, when you had that energy, every cell in your body went into fight or flight, right? So when you're in fight or flight and all these chemicals, cortisol, adrenaline are being released, we can't think clearly, okay? We need to get out of the, the lion's way, okay? We need to protect ourselves. So you have this tremendous in, injury. So your body's going, what the heck just happened, right? So it's really hard in that situation to get still and calm and conscious and, you know, and access that. But, but here's the powerful thing about your story. At some point, you did it. I mean, you don't know how powerful your story is. You know, I heard it today. And, man, I mean, it's so powerful. And so that's, and, and I'm going to suggest, and you tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I'm going to suggest that, in this overcoming, you therefore had to become a new person and you're 10 times more richer, more powerful than you were before the accident. Is that true? I, yes, I believe that it is true. I think that, you know, it allowed me to create a, a, a better presence of myself. When I reinvented my purpose, it allowed me to kind of let go of some things in my past that, that, um, uh, were holding me back on many aspects, I guess. So yes, it did allow me to become a different person. And, and I mean, I, I won't say different. I, I will say it allowed me to, to expand upon the good traits that, and the good things that I did remember. It allowed yes. me to be able to build upon that even more, even more so. So it, it gave me a broader open eye and, and, a, and, a, and a, 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 a more open ear. To what and, was going are on. You, are you happier now and in more peace than you were the sergeant with the S on your chest? You know, it, <laughs> that's kind of a double-edged statement. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I am because I've realized that, you know, I mean, look, I love my job being a police officer. I really did. I, I love, I, I was part of community-oriented policing, so I would park my car and I'd walk the neighborhood. And, you know, that kind of thing. I'd walk in the shops and talk to people and sit on the bench and talk to people on the street and things like this. I love doing that. I love saving lives. I love protecting and serving. I, I really did. I thought that was my purpose for the longest time. When I became a police officer, I did it because of my background, because of my childhood, because of what I grew up with. I learned through my growth process 
which is what you were talking about just a few minutes ago. What I learned when I opened my eyes and my ears and my heart and my brain, and I was able to look outside of everything and really go in depth, it gave me that opportunity to reflect on my new purpose, like this one right here. My new purpose is to inspire other people, to motivate people, to educate people. And that is my mantra, is to inspire, educate, and motivate, or inspire, motivate, and educate. And it's a, it's a thing that gave me an expanse of having conversations with people from all over the world, where as a police officer, I, I, was, I wasn't open, you know, wasn't um, uh, exposed to that. You know, occasionally we'd see tourists or whatever, but, you know, I, I've had conversations from people from all over the world, from Taiwan, from uh, China, from Japan, from Australia, London, uh, Ireland, Scotland, France, Spain, uh, Canada, and you, you know, I've, I've been everywhere. And I would not have had that opportunity. I would not have had that reach that I have now to give people a message of hope or inspiration or say that you can do this also. So yes, it has opened doors for me. It has given me a better sense of purpose for myself that I value very much. I value where I'm at in this life. I value my podcast. I value this platform and the people that help get me here. Whereas I'm not saying that I wouldn't have done that as a police officer, but you know that trajectory, I will tell you that I have colleagues of mine that worked underneath me that went on up the line. I had colleagues that worked beside me went up the line. And, and, and those above me, or other sergeants, went lieutenant, captain, commander, assistant chief, chief, I still have my hair. <laughs> and, you know, I look at them, and, and I look at the toll that has taken on them over the last 20 years, because this has been a 20-year journey for me. I look at the toll that it took on them, and, 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 and I say this not with, uh, not with ego when I make these statements. I say this as a perspective. I looked at the toll that it took on them, the lines in their face, the gray hair, the stress, the I still can't sleep, the stomach issues, the everything. And I was able to let that go. You know, I was able to get to a point in my life where I didn't have to worry about it. So to me, where I'm at in this point in my life, I'm not a rich man, but I am rich in many other ways. Excellent. You know, I, I've got my family stuck with me. My wife and I, I want, we're working on our 34th wedding anniversary this year. Wow, you know, yes. and through all of that, and, you know, my kids, fantastic family, my sister, my brother-in-law, you know, it, it has been a journey for all of us. I may not have had that deeper connection with all of them without following what you just said a few minutes ago about vibration and touching the, the, you know, reaching deep inside ourselves and piercing that veil and understanding the connection between us and the universe, our energy, our spirit, and in that, yes, we have a physical manifestation, but we also have that energy within us that lives on and we can choose to do it in a, in a positive way or sometimes, unfortunately, in a negative way. Right. We do it in a negative way. It's detrimental not only to ourselves but to those around us. So, you know, choosing the positive path in doing that, um, it, has, it has allowed me to grow in, in so many ways that, that I'm very, very grateful for, you know. Um, you never know I'm 82 years old, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're 10 years younger than me. Uh, there, there you go. <laughs> uh, but yes, I think that, that uh, yeah, that's what you teach. <coughs> Sorry, still getting over this. Junk. No um, what you teach others and what you bring to the table, I think, allows people to go forward in a very, very positive way. And and, and I, you know, it's can we? Would you mind if I focus on 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 a couple of those? Like absolutely, the three keys to manifestation that need to be embodied for effective co-creation. Um, help me understand that. I know that there's keys to manifestation. I know you may have covered part of them. But the statement that needs to be embodied for effective co-creation intrigues me. Well, first of all, let's talk about co-creation. You know, so I'm building this healing retreat center down here in Medellin, Colombia right now. And so we started with an intention and what we thought it would be. Right. And now we have a team. So I gather more input. And so the intention evolves, gets better and changes. But I'm also co-creating with the creator of all. 
who I choose to call God. And so therefore, that's where the downloads come. That's where the feelings come. That's where the thoughts come. So, so we're coping. Everything in our life, if, if we have this attitude, you can say, oh, I'm all by myself. There's no God. I'm alone. You know, that's a lonely, tough place to be where, where I operate from a point of community. Let's bring a team together and let's get the ego out of it. And how can we really create something beautiful and then tap into the power of the universe, God, higher power, whatever you want to call it. And then you're co-creating something special um, with the with the universe. And then the other thing is to create these intentions as if they already exist. You mentioned, um, I think chi or prana earlier, right? And plasma or Tesla called it plasma. The Indians call it prana. The Chinese call it chi. The Bible calls it ether. So what is this? You know, you're in Phoenix right now. I'm in Columbia. I could send you a text. You'll get it in less than one second. What is that data information traveling on? We're on the Zoom call. What is that traveling on? Well, it's, it's traveling through this invisible field right here. And, and just because we can't see it, this is the most, this is where the power is. And this is what the subconscious is attached to. And this is, if we can access this, then it's so much easier and better to manifest what we want. You know, there, there was a great book uh, written called Think and Grow Rich. I love the book. I love the content. I struggle with the title because I think the title is now people just think they can think and grow rich. Okay. First of all, what is rich? You got to define rich. You know, you just said you don't have a lot of money, but you have great richness. You have great life. You have great purpose. You're helping people. To me, that's 10 times richer than having cash, right? And so you just have to realize that, um, you have to have a plan. You have to get action. I always say, you know, Jesus allegedly came down here with this great message, the golden rule and, and how to love and live. And, but, you know, if it's Mary and Joseph give him ding dongs and ho-hos all day long, and he weighs 400 pounds, he never would have gotten off the couch there in Bethlehem to spread the good news. So we have to take care of the body, the mind, the heart, the soul, and then we become fully integrated, fully whole. And life is still difficult, okay? But that's okay. It, it, you know, I think most people struggle because they believe life shouldn't be difficult. The only given here is life is difficult. Just think of just the birthing process. I mean, that's a difficult process. And growing up is difficult. You know, there's my one of my favorite books is uh, The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. And the opening line is, life is difficult, right? And so once you realize that, then it's all about overcoming, evolving, growing, not in every way, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and becoming whole and integrated. And now you can create miracles in your life. And more importantly, you know, my calling today is, you know, to serve others like you. You know, I'm here to help serve others because of the experience that I've had. And, you know, and I, I will suggest to you, too, what you're doing right now, the world needs this hope right now. You know, the world is looking very, very strange to me right now. And I see more and more people going, whoa, what is happening here? And, and they're anxious, they're depressed, they're scared. And, and, and this is why what you do, what I'm trying to do, you know, I applaud you and I thank you because the world needs us right now. Well, I appreciate that very much. And, and yes, I agree with you. There's a very tumultuous world now. It, it, it is unpredictable. Um, there are so many issues that are going on that can affect us from all aspects and from all over the world. There are things that are going on that can affect us here, wherever we're at, we hear, even where you're at. And yes, it's a situation I think that, you know, we, I, I appreciate people, well, that's why I'm excited about having you on the show, because I appreciate what you bring to the world, because we do give people, I, I would think that we do give people hope, that there is a possibility that you I can know, I know, we, I, know we, I know we do, not exactly. everybody. You know, not it's everybody. like, one of my favorite stories uh, is, you know, there's this, there's this young, like 14 year old kid walking along the beach, okay? And about 50 yards above him is there's a bluff and there's an old man watching him and walking along him. And about every 10 feet, this young kid bends over, picks something up off the beach and throws it back into the ocean. And the old man's watching, watching, watching. And then they kind of merge at the pier, right? And now they're face to face. 
And the old man goes, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm trying to save these starfish. And the old man goes, well, hell, there's, there's zillions of these starfish. You can't possibly make a difference. And the young man looks in the old man's eyes. He bends over, he picks up a starfish and he throws it back into the ocean. He goes, I just made a difference for that one. And that's all we can do. You know, we're not going to change the world, but if we can touch a life here, touch a life here and, and bring, you know, teach people to overcome like you have and become powerful. See, I think the biggest issue in the world today that we're being programmed to become victims. Okay. So either all of us are victims or none of us are victims. Pick your poison, right? So, so, so therefore none of us are victims. We all are here to create. We're creators. You're either grow, you're either creating and growing or you're dying. It's that simple. Okay. And, and when you're dying, what I'm talking about is you get stuck, you give up, you know, oh my gosh, life is just, and this is true. People have had terrible lives and they contract, right? They, you go, oh man, they can't take the pain. That's why they live here because here, here it hurts, hurts living here, feeling that pain, right? So they contract and then they go, oh, I'm a victim. Okay. You're not a victim. You are a powerful creator, but you have to own that. And what you have to do is you have to own every condition in your life. Okay. I mean, I have some health issues right now that are somewhat serious, but I did that. Okay. I'm not a victim. It, they, they want to tell me it's genetic. I'm, I'm telling you guys, it's not genetic. I know my life. I know what I've done to my body <laughs> and, and I'm not surprised by this at all. So, so I own everything in my life. Therefore I have my power. Therefore I can change these things in my life and I can create a better life. And that I think the biggest message for the world today is Listen, guys, who's ever listening and watching this, you are not a victim. You are a powerful creator. You just got to learn how you're already you've created this mess. OK, you can create something more beautiful. Is it easy? No. Is it possible? Heck yeah. And through my technology, you know, we have an app, you know, we created an app. You don't have to bring out a boombox and all that. And we made it so much simpler now to use this process to go inside, you know, this is what I love. We were talking about Dr. Joe Dispenza earlier. What I love about his work, see, we have these two eyes that are always looking out, looking for everything, looking for God, looking for this, looking for love. Everything we need is within us, but we need to go inside. Okay. That's the secret trick. And that's, you know, your ability through martial arts, this injury, it was your ability to go inside where you learn how to heal yourself and, 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 and find the right people to assist you in your healing. So you, you co-created your healing with your intention and then finding the right doctors and doing the right things. Yeah. I, yes. The 100%. If I, if I had not done that, I, I think it comes down to, if I can add this to what you just said, choice. Yeah. Yes. We Amen. have a choice. And that, that choice is either to, to take a step forward or to stay where we're at, or take two steps backward. And yeah. sometimes we get knocked two steps backward, but when you do, you still have a choice. Do yeah, I take back. that two steps back and then two more forward? Or yeah. how do I do this? So if I, if you don't mind me adding that to that, I think that uh, choice is a very yeah. important aspect of of even intention and, and looking for intention and um, um, emotion on how to, to manifest. And I'll, and I'll add one more C word, care. We got to care about ourselves. All right. I, I promise you the same, uh, uh, you take a hundred people that went through what you went through. I don't know how many recover and how many become bitter, turn to alcohol, drugs, depression. They give up and they quit caring. Okay. You didn't. Right. And so you fought, I, I'm going to, I don't know what the percentage would be, but I would, I would hallucinate that it's 5% that really have the inner strength to do what you did. And a lot of people will just give up. Well, I, I don't, I don't have those numbers either, but I would say I do know others that they were in my path that, that went the dark road. We call yes. it the dark road. And, yeah. and, and went they, were a victim. they were a victim. You said, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to fix this. Now, you know, I'll be honest. It took me four years to figure that out. Oh, dude, trust me. I get it. <laughs> so, I, I've struggled more within it. In my, no one's struggled yeah. in life more than me. No one's had more bad habits than me. Okay. But, but it, it, you know, yeah. we all have a shadow side. Okay. But I know my shadow side. I know what it's like and I know how to deal with it and still create a beautiful life and still find a way to help others. So listen, man, we're all here. We all got this yeah, duality. Right. 
inside of us. We all got good and evil with inside of us and that's okay. But which one do you feed? Right? So I feed the good as much as I can. And I'm still susceptible to screwing up. Well, and I think we all are. And, and, you yeah. know, we, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, when we do fail or when we do have a misstep or if something doesn't quite go the day, this, the way we want it to that day, there's just a learning, you know, Bruce Lee used to say that everything is a learning, learning step. Everything is an education. Take in everything, pull out what you can use and throw the rest away. Don't worry about the rest. Don't compare. Once you figure out something that works for you, use that and don't compare it to everything else. Don't compare it with this person or that person. You can't see my hands moving, but this person, that person, and that kind of a thing. He said, take everything in, understand it, grasp what you need, keep what you need, use that, throw the rest away. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's put another way, life is a buffet. Take what serves you and feeds you and just leave the rest. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I believe in manifestation 100%. My wife and I, my and my kids, we believe in manifestation. We understand how it works. We understand that asking, number one, believing in what you want. And that doesn't mean, you know, I give me that. We don't, maybe I should, we don't go, give me the lottery numbers, 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 the lottery numbers yeah. because we also understand that in the vibration of this universe that we have to ask the right way and we have to ask what is meant for us that there's always something out there meant for us do do you believe in that that we just need to ask the right questions or ask for it in the right way well i i totally believe in asking questions one one of the ways i journal right is that i start each day right what i'm grateful for Thank you for my health. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my career. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my grandchildren. Thank you for my wife. So I'm in an attitude of gratitude. Then the next thing is heavenly father, please give me wisdom on whatever. Okay. What should I do with this kid, this problem? What should I do with this business, this problem? What should I do about this person? Should I invite him into my life? So I'm asking questions all the time. And when you keep journals, now you have a history, you know, Tony Robbins says a life worth living is worth recording. Right? So I can show you all these journals. And one time I went back and I highlighted everything, all the miracles, right? But 80% of what I was asking wisdom for, those things just take care of themselves, right? But it was good to put it on paper and let it go. So asking questions is super powerful for growth and, and evolving. And the other thing is, oh, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say, but you, you brought up something very important to me as far as the man or asking, right? The Bible says asking and she'll be given to you. And so what do you ask for? Okay. So so that's where you have to go inside and meditate, contemplate. And, you know, people, someone asked me the other day, well, Mike, how specific should I be with my intention? I go, be super specific as much as you can, right down to the last thing, but then be totally flexible. Okay. Don't be so ingrained. Like I'm trying to manifest uh boyfriend if i'm a girl right and he's got to have blonde hair he's got to be this tall and blonde. okay that's great but be flexible because what you're looking for is love so if it shows up in another package don't shun it away turn it away say okay oh instead of blonde it's brown okay instead of six three it's six you know you know what i mean so be specific but be flexible because realize that you're co-creating with the creator of all that's that's exactly what I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> you know, we it's interesting because it it's I'll tell you just a brief story that kind of relates to that a little bit. You know, we went down to have our uh, we have a Highlander and it's an older Highlander. And it was my my father in law's Highlander, my wife's father's car. When he passed away he left it to us. So we had to have some work done on it. And we took it down to this mechanic that we trust and um when we get in there, the guy says, well, you know, I think, you know, we're going to put brakes on this because it needs brakes, but we're hoping we don't have to do the rotors and, you know, this and this and this and this. And, and I, and I said, that's right. We're going to manifest that um, it's not going to be the rotors and that we just need the brake job done and that'll be just fine. He says, I don't know. And we were kind of measuring, it might be a little iffy. And I went, trust me. I said, we're going to manifest that this is going to, we're just going to pay for a brake job and it's going to be fine. And we came back and he said, yep. 
just a break job. Here you go. Didn't need him. I've never seen anybody manifest like that. He was amazed. I said, you just have to ask. Yeah. And by the, by the way, you're talking to a 40 year car dealer here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, uh, it's like, I, 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 going to the service department of car dealership is I liken it to going to the doctor, right? We sell you stuff because that's how we pay our mortgages. And same with the doctor, right? So we have to be very, very smart about what, who's selling us what and why. So you, I'm proud of you for, for saying no. Yeah, I, it, I'm, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think I, think I paid for a couple of boats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would absolutely say at least, at least one or two. <laughs> Uh, but I'm grateful. I I'm, I also believe in what you said earlier. I like the fact that you start your day with being grateful. I think we all need to really be grateful for where where we're at within our lives, who we have in our lives, what we have in our lives, even if you think it's not what's meant for you right now, because everything to me, and and this is this is this is just building on what you said. If you don't if you don't mind, I think that we need to understand that what's given to us sometimes is where we need to be in life to understand something or to learn something. It may help us to get a better uh, empathy or compassion for somebody else that's going through the same thing. Or um, maybe, like you said earlier, you may want a big six-foot-two, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, and you end up with a 5'10", you know, dark-haired guy with a beard. Well, that might be your soulmate. But you got the love you were looking for. You got the love you're looking for, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where you may not get what, you, what you're asking for directly, but you need to be open. Like you said, I just want to emphasize, if you don't mind, emphasize that what you got in place of it might be what you were supposed to get. And that's or what the universe was given better, to you. Or better than your original intention. Or better. We always ask for this or something better. Yeah. Or what's meant for me. This mm-hmm. was meant for well, me. You have the aspect of God's will too, right? So, you know, not everybody believes in God and and I don't come from a particular religion, but I want to be aligned with spirituality. I want to be aligned with goodness. I want to be aligned with what serves and doesn't harm, you know? So, so that's the most important thing to me that, that whatever it is I'm manifesting is good for the the greater good, right? It's good for me, it's good for my family, but it's good for you, it's good for others. And I think when we come from that approach, you know, we're here to serve and to love. You know, there's there's over 7 billion people in the world less today. And so just say, imagine if three and a half billion of us would lift up someone less fortunate and just give them a hand up. The entire consciousness in this world would shift and all this craziness would dissipate and a whole new spirit of love and contribution and integrity and responsibility would be born. And now we can usher heaven back on the earth. I really believe, Michael, that we're at a turning point in humanity right now. And perhaps there's been many more before. And I feel that we're going from a from an energetic standpoint, we're going from a masculine energy, which is domination, penetration, control, to a feminine energy. And I don't I think this has happened many times before. And what is feminine energy? It's nurturing, it's openness, it's love. And so these these people running this system over here, they're scared to death because they see it all crumbling. It's all, you know, the Bible talks about apocalypse. What does apocalypse mean? It's called the lifting of the veil. So all of a sudden, we're all seeing what's really, you know, the Wizard of Oz, what's really behind the curtain and what's really going on. And we're going, holy moly. <laughs> and so, but at the same time, people like you, people like me, lot, millions of people are trying to raise consciousness through love and service and contribution to others. And and we, that's that's the message. And that's, you know, listen, they got all the time, money, guns, power, all that. The only way we're gonna win this battle of duality is through love and through community and through re- responsibility and most importantly, through integrity. See, for some reason, especially the last few years of the pandemic, all the small businesses got put out of business. Now it's big corporations. What's the difference between a corporation and me and you? Corporation doesn't have a heart. Corporation doesn't have a soul. 
corporation has one mandate to maximize every dollar it can for its shareholders in spite of what it does to the environment, what, in spite of what it does to people's health. It's, it's all about money for these people, right? And at, at all costs, money, money, money at any and all costs. We don't care what we're doing to your health. We don't care what we're doing to your mental health. You know, it's all about us. So, so this is what's got to shift. And we got to go back to, you know, being together in, in a small community and thriving there and then growing that through a spirit of community, responsibility, integrity, love, and contribution to one another. That's brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, uh, brilliant statement. Brilliant statement. I can't, I can't even say anything that's 100%. I think that we as a society need to reflect upon how we are treating other individuals and open our hearts yeah. and our minds. Yes. You know, when I was a cop and I'd run into somebody that was homeless or into somebody that really was in dire straits, um, I mean, there's, there's opposites now because I do have stories of other people who were taking advantage of that. But, you know, somebody that truly was in need of help. I wouldn't just hand him something. I wouldn't get up and take him to the shelter. Sometimes the shelters were full. I would take him to the restaurant to the, yeah, and take him inside and, and feed him a meal. And you wouldn't believe the, in the gratefulness in their eyes. You could see it. And I wasn't looking for that. It's because I understand what it means to be hungry. Yeah. And, and I still understand what it means to be hungry. Because as yeah. a child and growing up with who I grew up with and growing up with a single mother, we were scarce at times and there were times we had no dinner. I, I grew up with that. I grew up with going to lunch at school and not having a lunch. So, you know, I understand that. It, we as a society need to do exactly what you just said. We need to kind of start from, from little and build back out again with the understanding and compassion and humanity that we all deserve as human beings because we all are connected. Whether yeah. we, you think you, we are or not, we, not, not, not you indirectly, but I'm talking to the audience. Whether you think we are not, we all are connected. We all come from the same energy. We all come from the same source, and we're all connected in that regard. And taking care of your, your fellow human being and treating them with compassion and humanity and empathy is, is something, and love, is something that we all need to start reflecting on and building upon to bring our community back to where it is now because that's a whole nother, we could talk for another hour on that conversation, but the way corporations, the way governments are going, the, the way, I mean, it is just disgraceful in, on so many levels it, that, it, that, yeah, we should have another conversation down the road in regard to that. It is, I think that it is taking the level of negativity to an all-time extreme high and unfortunately, it's spreading worldwide. Yes. In, in regard to that. So we need to do something that's going to push that negativity out, outside of this realm, you know, and, 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 and bring in more love and compassion and humanity. Anyway, that's, again, a whole nother conversation. <coughs> Excuse me. Can we touch upon real quick? I didn't, I kind of missed it, and I should have brought it up earlier, but I glanced at my notes. Um, you've helped thousands of women with uh, breast cancer with your foundation, uh, Love from Margot Foundation, which you started in 2012 in honor of your late wife. Um, get, how did how did you get that started? May I ask that journey? Do, yes, do you mind talking about that journey? You know, I, I've had I've had a bunch of different lifetimes in this one life, right? So you know, I, I manifest getting my wife back and remarrying her, having three more children. We have four kids. So imagine this: here I am, a Chevrolet dealer. One of my dealerships was Chevrolet and I'm sitting there one day and now I married my wife twice. I live in a very, very multi-million dollar mansion. I teach little, uh, teach little league, coach little league baseball. I teach Bible study at the church. I swear to you, I am the last person on planet earth ever to get divorced. And here I am in my office one day and this woman walks in to sell me television advertising on Telemundo Hispanic advertising. The moment our eyes met, there was a connection that I've never felt at any time in my life with anyone. And so I would learn later she felt the same thing. But for seven months, we worked together and she's fallen in love with me. And the day she walked into my office, she'd been married two months. And we're very proper people. We want to do what's best. and We don't want to hurt people. Right. And so 
for seven months we're working together. She's falling in love with me and I don't know it. I'm falling in love with her. She doesn't know it. One day we compare notes and we start an affair. And we are not the kind of people to have an affair. So we immediately separated from our spouses, but we lied to them. That's the only regret I have in my life is I should have told the truth, said I met someone, I'm sorry, I'm leaving. But nevertheless, we, we did this. And so imagine this. So now we're living together and four months later, her husband finds out everything blows up. Four months after that, my wife finds out everything blows up. And a month after that, I find a golf ball size, golf ball size tumor in Margot's breast, stage three breast cancer. And so we spent, we were together a total of 10 years, nine of those years battling breast cancer. And in December 1st, 2010, towards the end, the doctor said, Margo, unfortunately, the cancer spread to the lining of your brain. If you do nothing, you have six weeks to live. And if you treat it, you have six months to live. So we never discussed it. We just went out. We started to fight to beat this disease, praying for a miracle, but every night preparing for her to take that last breath. And so that's my book, Living in Color. And I chronicle those six months with flashbacks into our amazing love story. Right. So after Margot passed, which was, you know, I'm grief. I mean, I can't even tell you the devastation, the grief, the only blessing, the silver lining. in that was for the first time in my life, I didn't have an ego. I couldn't resist. I was just totally devastated. And I believe that God was able to come in, fillet open my heart, take out all the arrogance, self-centered and BS and replace it with love. And, and that's when my life started to really change. So this big hole in my heart over the last 12 years has been being filled with love and love. And, you know, we either get better or bitter. And so I chose to get better. And so anyways, a, a month after she had passed, a friend calls me up and says, Mike, my sister-in-law, Amanda, is moving from Montana to the San Francisco Bay Area because she has stage four breast cancer, 38 years old, the same age that Margo was when she passed. Amanda had three children. She didn't have a husband. She didn't have good insurance. She didn't have additional money for resources. And she was a minority. So I took her to Margo's oncologist and he said, okay, Amanda, let's order some tests. So for about two or three weeks, I went with Amanda and we did these tests. And what I noticed was the doctors and nurses, she was treated much differently than Margo was. The doctors and nurses either talked down to her or over her head. And I was just the observer. I was just there holding her hand, but I, I felt uncomfortable and I noticed it. And that was the only note I made. Then we go back to Margo's oncologist and he says, Amanda, the best protocol to extend your life are these three chemotherapies simultaneously. Unfortunately, your insurance will only pay for one. So that's all I can give you. I have to tell you, Michael, I never, it never occurred to me that whether you get good health care or not depends on whether you have money. I honestly, I mean, I'm call me stupid, but I didn't realize it. Right. And so I just immediately put my hand in my wallet and said, here's my credit card. You give her whatever it is she needs. Now, unbeknownst to me at the time, that would become the seed of what would become the love for Margot foundation. And for four years, I would give financial grants to women below the poverty line while they battle cancer. Why? They don't have money to begin with. Now they have this diagnosis. So now they can't work. Their expenses go up. And they were screwed. There is no safety net for these people. And I, I could tell you stories you wouldn't even believe me. I don't even believe them, and I was there. And so we started giving grants. And after about four years and well over a million dollars, I'm going, dude, I'm, I'm going to go broke here, right? And, and, and it wasn't making a difference. You know, every once in a while, yeah, we would help someone, and they would go to treatment, and they would get better and go back to work. Very few with times that would that happen. Normally what happened, they get sicker, 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 and then eventually die. I go, okay, this is not sustainable. I'm going to go broke. And, 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 you know, it was a nonprofit foundation, but I'm not good at raising money. And for, and also people don't want to give money to minorities dying of cancer that are poor. Okay. So it wasn't a very sexy offer I had to give to people, but I fell in love with these people or these women and they forever changed my heart. So I go, okay, what can I do now? Well, their immune system is being destroyed by the treatment. So I started buying water machine, water purifiers and juicing machines and vegetables. And so trying to help that way. Now they think I'm, I'm their doctor, right? And I'm a car salesman. I go, okay, well, this is, and so, so, so now that's why I'm doing this thing in, in Colombia and we call it conscious capitalism. So we're, we're creating the most amazing retreat center in the history of retreat centers. The experience here will be nothing like it. Our property, I've been all over the world. I've never stood on a piece of property with so much energy and so much 
vibrational frequency where, where I know it's a healing energy, right? It's that powerful. And all the protocols, all the procedures, we do physical detox and then we do energy and spiritual medicine. So it's a, it's a two week retreat, right? So, but we charge people, but then we give a scholarship for every retreat to someone from the Love for Margot Margo Foundation that is still early in their diagnosis and wants to learn how to heal themselves. So the name of this place is Mountains of Hope. And it's where you can come to learn that you have the power within to create better health and to heal yourself. And that's the, that's what I'm doing now. That's amazing. You brought tears to my eyes. Um, thank you for taking care of people like that. You're welcome. Thank you for taking care of the people that didn't have a voice and had no yes. opportunity. Yes. Yeah, that makes me, that touches my soul. So I appreciate that very much. Um, <coughs> and we're kind of, running a little long on time, but if we can talk about your books, please. And I know that you have a podcast and you've got yeah. a, a special opportunity for people. If we yeah. can um, kind of touch on those, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for that opportunity, Michael. So my personal website is mikemurphyunfiltered.com. And if you go there and you go mikemurphyunfiltered.com forward slash gift, we will send you one of our courses for free. So um, please go there. And there's a lot, lots of material about the creation frequency and what about the app and all that kind of stuff. Our other website is mountainsofhope.com and that's our healing retreat center in Medellin, Colombia. We only take in about 16 to 17 people per retreat. We're going to sell out. Our first retreat's not till September. We're, we're building this massive infrastructure and really improving everything. It's going to be five star with the amazing protocols and education. So if you want to go there, go to mountainsofhope.com. Just give us your name and your address. And there's also, if you want to get uh, notified for when we start selling the retreat, because it's, it's very inexpensive, great value, and it's going to sell out. But if you know someone that has a need, you know, now's the time to sign up because we're going to contact those people first when we start selling the retreats. And our other uh, website is the Love from Margo, M-A-R-G-O-T at the end lovefromargo.org, O-R-G. And if you want to apply for a scholarship, you know, first of all, our first retreat's not until September, but you can go there and apply for a scholarship, primarily looking for people. You still, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's 20 acres in the mountains, right? So, you know, so you have to be able to, you, know, you can't be in a wheelchair on oxygen and stuff like that. But if you have an early diagnosis of cancer, diabetes, Parkinson's, whatever it is, and you don't have any money, and, and, you, and, you, and you have a big why, or your why might be, hey, I got these small kids, or I, I'm taking care of these people, or this is why I need to get better to serve the world. That's what we're looking for. People with a big why, a big need, and, and then we think we can help them to teach them how to heal themselves. So that's what we got going on. And my other, my, my favorite book, my best-selling book is The Creation Frequency. And you can go to Amazon. There's tons of reviews. It's on Audible. It's a great book. Very simple. Very easy. You know, I have an eighth grade education, so I can't, I can't give you really deep stuff. But it's very simple. Stuff to easy to digest, but it works. My favorite book is Living in Color, which chronicles those six months with my wife. Um, and, and the beautiful thing about that book is she kept journals. So I have so much of her writing and she was really an angel. I'm not even sure she was human. She was that profound. And so that's what's going on. That's fantastic. I appreciate those. Uh, you also have a podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, the Power of Your Voice with Mike Murphy. Uh, it airs every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific. And so it's uh, it's really about 10 minutes. We bring in one of the health coaches from Mountains of Hope. And then I'll give you a little 10-minute inspiration about manifestation or creation or anything about your health, anything that will improve your life. And then we have a powerful guest. We're hoping you'll be one of our guests sometime. We'd and so that. it's about a 40-minute guest interview. And uh I think it's a really good show. It's fun. It's entertaining. And I don't have to tell you how hard this work is to run a little podcast, right? And what's mm -hmm. interesting about the world today, everybody's either got a podcast or they're a coach or they're an influencer. I'm going, who, who's working? <laughs> I mean, I, this is work. Don't get me wrong. But who's producing something? That, you know? yeah. So it's crazy time, but, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. The, when I first started podcasting, it, there were 876,000 podcasts roughly across the world, 876,000. Now there are 5.4 million. It went from 876,000, you know, there was little numbers in there, like 876,400 and blah, 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 to 5.4 million worldwide from the time I entered this arena in January 1st of 2019 until now. 
it blows me away the amount that have been out well, there. And, and there. And there you go. Who's consuming all this content and what are they doing with the rest of their life, right? So, exactly. So I I'm, I'm almost feel bad that I have one, but I really enjoy it. And I'm sure you enjoy well, doing it. I, I enjoy it because, I, you know, we the, the key to podcasting in, in, in any podcast and anybody out here that, that obviously you're listening to this one or watching this one, the key is 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 bringing valuable content to people yeah, that you will go. educate inspire motivate and educate them you know that's the key and there's a lot of podcasts out there that don't do that they just want to come on and talk and they want to be the next joe rogan and that that you know blah blah blah, blah. that's a third conversation <laughs> but anyway hey listen mike it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you i think that you're a wonderful individual and an asset to society as a whole and I think that uh, I, I really, not I think, but I know that I appreciate you being here and the fact that uh, what you bring to the world and what you give back to individuals. My sister battled breast cancer. She had, um, uh, this, actually, this is her third time she's gone through uh, cancer. She just had surgery recently. And um, so I understand that journey wholeheartedly. And I appreciate what you bring to that world as well. As the reason I thought we'd touch on that really, really quick because that's, what an amazing opportunity for people to get a quality of life that that they are missing, and and, and only based upon, you know, uh, ethnicity or financial aspects. You're giving them the opportunity for some hope to to be a human being again for a little while. So I'm grateful. This is one more thing before you go. So before we go, do you have any words of wisdom you could share? Well, I would just say, listen. As I said before, you guys, listen. The world is unraveling. Ignore it. Go within, find your purpose, live in your heart and figure out why you're here and what you can do to bless your, and it depends where you are in life too, right? If you're a young person, you need to manifest different things than me at 65 years old. You know, Carnegie said, we spend the first half of our life making money so we can give it away the second half. So I just say, listen, you know, we, we, need, we need to get out of ourselves and we need to look at the world and say, hey, where can I serve and how can I help? Brilliant. And you'll be and, I, and the major thing is always say this, you cannot outgive God. Okay, I don't give to get, but you it's a, it's a spiritual law, the law of reciprocity. And the more you give, the more you receive. And it's not one to one, it's 10x, 20x, 50x. It's not why I do it. I do it out of love and, 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 and wanting to serve, but... The blessings come, ladies and gentlemen. Trust me. A brilliant, brilliant words of wisdom. Thank you very much. Mike, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. I'll make sure that uh, all the links to everything we just talked about will be in the show notes. I'll also add the other link you were talking about so they get the free gift. Um, so to make sure that if you're just uh, watching or you're listening, you can go back and just click the link. It'll take you right to it. Um, Again, pleasure to meet you. I will be happy to come on your show. Uh, and we'll just we'll connect with that after this. And uh, in the meantime, again, this is one more thing before you go. So before you all leave, thank you very much for uh, listening. Thanks for being a part of the show. And uh, have a great day. Have a great week. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.